When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And I really love that um, the focus of the film seems to be about her finding herself. And she seems to do that through interacting with so many women that have really lovely roles. It's like a duvet day film, like get all your baked goods around you and get your duvet on and just kind of just get back into like a lovely, like sweet little thing that's just, yeah, it's like comfort food. It's lovely. They're living their own independent life in this lovely way. And um, I definitely ship them in my head. I definitely think they're an old gay couple. They have to be. (laughs) I wouldn't say you're riveted every time you watch it, but it's just like a warm hug. It's lovely. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Flix Watch Podcast. I'm joined by Helen. Hello. Faye. Hi. And Rachel. Hello. And we're going to be talking about Kiki's delivery service. Thank you as always to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello and welcome to this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast. Joining us today, we have Faye and Rachel. If you would like to say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. Cool. Hi. So I'm Rachel and we do a podcast called Her Dark Materials, where we read through Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials novels a chapter at a time and we kind of keep it spoiler free so people can read along with us. Yep. And I'm Faye and I have nothing to add to what Rachel just said. She described our podcast perfectly. <laughs> so how, what do you guys make of the of the His Dark Materials adaptation that came out um, just before Christmas? We love it. We really enjoy it. So we have some bonus episodes on the podcast where we chat about that as well. And um, it's really, really exciting. And it's really nice to see quite a faithful adaptation hitting the screen. Yeah, we really, really enjoyed good. it, especially a lot of the casting choices. Um, I really love Lin-Manuel Miranda as Lee Scorsby. Um, and if you listen to our TV show episodes, you'll just hear me just talking about him all the time. But yeah, I thought it was really good. Um, I came to the books for the first time last year so I've never seen The Golden Compass um so it's the first adaptation I've ever seen um and yeah I thought they did a really really good job and looking forward to the second season yeah because when before it started some people were 
concerned about about Lee Scoresby's casting as Lin Manuel Miranda, and some people some people were quite disturbed about uh, Ruth Wilson. But I thought she was like as soon as she was announced, I was like, yeah, that's that's perfect. That's perfect, Mrs. Oh, Coulter. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was so so good. Yeah. We loved her as Mrs. Coulter. I, I I can't say a bad word about her performance. I think she did such a great job. And having seen Daphne Keane in Logan, I thought that was great casting as well for for uh, Lyra. So uh, yeah, I thought it was a really good yes. casting all round, really. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so we are here talking today about Kiki's Delivery Service, which is brought to us by you, Rachel. Yeah. So can you tell us, um, first of all, why you chose it and give us a synopsis in one minute or less? Okay, so I chose it because uh, the world's kind of scary at the moment and it's just a really good, kind-hearted, sweet little film. Why is the world scary? What do you mean by that? (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. Um, Because I was very (laughs) overexcited about Studio Ghibli films finally making it onto Netflix Mm. and I was looking through the ones that were added and Kiki's Delivery Service is one of my top films. Um, I really enjoy it. I was just very happy to see it on there. But now I'm thinking it is my comfort food of films and so it's perfect for the situation we're all in now, hiding in our homes. (laughs) So can you tell us what this synopsis is in one minute or less? I can try. Uh, Kiki's Delivery Service is kind of a kind-hearted, warm, like, family film. It's about a young witch who, when she turns 13, there's a practice that witches go out into the world for a year to spend the year fending for themselves and learning a bit about who they are. Uh, She goes from her tiny town to the big city and kind of struggles to find her footing and maybe loses confidence a bit. But through the people that she meets, especially a lot of women that she meets, she manages to find her footing and she starts up her own little delivery service. And after a crisis of confidence where she forgets how to fly, she saves the day in a really beautiful way. And it's lovely. (laughs) So you you talked about Ghibli coming to Netflix. Um, Are you a big Ghibli file? Have you... you listen to any of the, the, the Ghibli Tech podcasts or anyone, anything like that? I haven't actually listened to any Ghibli podcasts, but I uh, grew up on quite a few of the films. I haven't, I can't say I've watched all of the films. I've yet to watch uh, Pom Poco, which I've heard is great, and Porco Rosso. They're some of the ones I have, I've, they're on my list. But um, I grew up very much in love with Howl's Moving Castle and Princess Mononoke and films like that. So, and Kiki's Delivery Service is just like a perfect level of sweetness. What about you, Faye and Helen? Have you, are you fans of, of the Ghibli? Uh, it's actually my first, uh, well, actually, sorry, it's my second anime film that I've ever watched. Um, so the first one that I ever saw was uh, My Neighbour Totoro and then this one because Rach selected it for, for the podcast. So I'm very new to this to this world. So I've probably seen... Maybe about 10 or so, but this is one that I had seen before and did have on DVD and, uh, yeah, I just really like it. Yeah, I kind of came late to the Ghibli, the Studio Ghibli sphere. I knew about them a lot. And I think the first opportunity I had to listen to, watch any of their films was when they came to um, More 4 and stuff um, and Channel 4. They did, like, Ghibli season when, when I think it was when Howl's Moving Castle came up. I never watched it then. Um, and like Helen says, it just became a bit odd to get a hold of them and they just seemed kind of like elusive so when it was announced it came on on netflix i was like yeah finally so i think you've only seen like four or five including a couple of actually in the cinema so um but they always have that distinctive well not always but they typically have like you see you see one shot of of the film or one frame that you like that's a ghibli film and that's really it's, it's really kind of impressive that that's the thing because not even not even pixar has that kind of stamp of authority just based on what how they're drawn and how they are put together 
What are your thoughts, Rachel? Um, I guess like the Ghibli films are so iconic that particularly watching Kiki's Delivery Service, the background painting is just beautiful. A lot of the establishing shots of some of the houses and the scenery is just, is breathtaking. Mm. You could definitely just have some of those those establishing shots as a painting on your wall before you even think about putting it in an animation. That's part of what I love about the films as well. It's just every... I think it's something with hand-drawn animation that comes through as well. It's every, everything is so considered every moment. So I've got some friends who say they don't like how the animation looks or how they're drawn, Studio Ghibli, which I think is unfair. It doesn't look as perhaps as refined as the, you know, the, the hand-drawn version of The Lion King, for example. But I still think it has a, a really nice, beautiful aesthetic style to them all. Has the one on Netflix, uh, obviously the one that we've all watched, have they been like restored at all? Because I thought it looked really, really good. I thought the animation looked good. I thought just the general like quality of it looked really good. I'm not sure if they've been restored in any way from when they were first made in the 80s. I'd be surprised if they hadn't been because it's, it's been such a big kind of fanfare about them coming onto Netflix and would have been, I think part of the reason they haven't been so um, easy to get hold of is because they want to make sure there's some level of quality to the output of them um but mm. i couldn't tell you that for sure i know that the version i think the version that we have on netflix is the 2010 disney release because there's another right. english i assume you guys all probably watched it um with the english dubbing i started in the english version sorry with the so japanese version mm. I, was, I was just a bit tired so i switched to the to the uh, english dub so I think I probably watched the English version first as a as a younger kid and then will have gone and watched the Japanese version. Uh, last night I did watch the English version because I was feeling very lazy. <laughs> and um yeah, you've got to be in the mood for reading if you're going to watch <laughs> if you're going to watch with subtitles and sometimes it doesn't strike, but I do think it is a shame because I do much prefer the soundtrack and the soundtracks are very different between the English and the Japanese version. And I think you're right, Gigi has a completely different vibe. <laughs> oh, are they? Yeah, there's like some weird 2010 recording of somebody singing about flying and finding yourself. And it's very 2010 Disney film kind of song vibes, which is a real shame because I would highly recommend, uh, even if you don't have the energy to do the subtitled version, just watch the first and the last bit for those two songs because they're lovely. And the little 1950s kind of vibe that they put out is lovely. I feel like I need to watch the Japanese version because... We, like Rich said, when we watched it, we watched the English one and I'm coming at it from like having no knowledge of it. And I remember messaging Rach being like, oh, I really like Kirsten Dunst. I think she's doing a great job. And oh, I really like the music. And then Rach was saying like, oh, well, actually there's like much better music in the Japanese version. She also mentioned like uh, Gigi's voice as well being different. And I did listen to like a bit of a YouTube clip of the Japanese version of Gigi's voice. And I'm like, I think I might need to watch the Japanese version now. But as a person coming at it from like with no knowledge, background knowledge, I did just enjoy it for what it was. But now learning that there's potentially maybe an even better version, I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I need to go back and, and do some watching of that or reading of that. Yeah, I was just checking out who the voice of um, Gigi was. And it was a chap called Phil Hartman, who um, most people know as being, he was like Lionel Hutz and stuff like that in The Simpsons. And he, he kind of died tragically. I think his wife killed him. Um, um, yeah, I was quite. I was actually quite annoyed by Gigi's voice, which is it's quite a shame that we've all kind of came up on that side of the of the tracks. It make, it turns the character into a completely different character, and the bit that I switched over, I was just totally like, 
oh, this is awful. I, ca- I can't listen to it anymore because Jeezy's not like that. Um, so it's, it's kind of like really funny because Jeezy's like all the way through just a little bit like, oh, can we kind of, kind of have to do these sort of things in a little bit like oh, reluctant and blah, 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 but not in like a really annoying way, which I got from the like two seconds that I heard of American male Gigi Simpson's voice, man. Yeah, it feels like they, they took Gigi and made him into more of a Disney, side, Disney sidekick than perhaps the role that he actually plays in the original film or the original version of it, I think. So what do you mean? So in the original version, he's just, he's there. I mean, however he's cast, he's he's still kind of like the sidekick to the main female character, which is like the standard Disney thing, isn't it? So he just feels... How do you feel his voice casting? (laughs) I feel like it makes him more of like a sassy one-liner character than the actual like supportive friend slash like companion. I don't know. It's quite an odd one. <laughs> you talked about the female um, companionship side of things that, that Kiki experiences. Can you, can you talk a bit about that? I really love how well this film passes the Bechdel test with flying colours. Um, whilst she does, whilst Kiki does have kind of a relationship with the young boy that she meets in Tombow, it's so not the focus of the film. And I really love that um, the focus of the film seems to be about her finding herself. And she seems to do that through interacting with so many women that have really lovely roles. Mm. Um, so um, Asono, the baker, she is just this like strong business owning woman and she's pregnant and she's getting the job done. And she's, yeah, I'll take in this like little girl that, oh my goodness, she can fly. Amazing. You'll be useful. And then uh, helping out the old ladies in the house, baking the pie and just they're living their own independent life in this lovely way. And um, I definitely ship them in my head. I definitely think they're an old gay couple. They have to be. (laughs) (laughs) And then meeting the artist in the woods, who, again, also definitely gay. Um, She just, like, guides her through this, like, quarter, tenth life crisis that she's having um, in just this really lovely way that has nothing to do with, like, a typical kind of, princessy protagonist storyline there's no it's not about any of the boys in her life at all and that's lovely it's just to do with her finding herself and finding her feet in the world and yeah i feel like all the women seem to like be the people that help her find that path i really like how i really like that description because i i hadn't even picked up on that i was just, I just i knew the main protagonists were the main companions were were female but hadn't really thought about it as a, a difference to how we normally see things and when you said that um Another thing that came to mind was that the other main male character we have in the storyline doesn't really speak. Um, Asano's, the guy that works at Asano, Asano's partner, I don't know, it wasn't really made clear. Um, but he doesn't really have, like, he can't, he doesn't speak in the, in the film, which is quite interesting for such a massive guy. Um, and one thing, but one thing I kind of didn't quite like is how quickly Kiki got annoyed with Tombo. Because he seemed initially just to be trying to be like generally helpful, and but I mean I, that's maybe part of the, the story they're trying to tell. Her mission is kind of to make the best of her skills, so he's just kind of like a bit of annoying distraction that isn't really going to help her in that way. Mm. And then in the end, she realizes that you know she actually needs to use her skills to help save him. No, I get the I get the him being an annoyance bit, but the is the way she took against him so quickly at the start when he was the one that managed to distract the policeman. 
And then he came along and said, hey, by the way, I was a guy that did that. And she got annoyed because they weren't introduced. And maybe there's that kind of formality I wasn't aware of. Um, but yourself, what, what were your thoughts on the, the characters in the film? Yeah, I really liked it. I, I didn't know, um, like I said, I didn't know much about it before um, I started to watch it. And yeah, just the female characters were really great. I love what Rach said about how you can read a lot of them as being, as being queer, which is amazing. I always love that. Um, and I love that yeah. it wasn't about a love story. I mean, I know, like we mentioned, there is Tomba and they do have like some kind of relationship at the end, whether it's just a friendship, we, uh, we're not really clear on that. But I love the fact that it's more about her growing and her speaking to and learning from older women that have gone through the same things that she's going through and have helped her see like what she needs to do or, or when she needs to look inside herself and draw that inspiration from life. And I, th I think that's really special. I don't think there's not a lot of films that are especially potentially aimed at, at children as well that, that have that offering. And I really like that. Do you think, how old are you, Rachel, when you first saw this story? Oh, uh, 13, 14, maybe? Not like a young okay. child, yeah. Did you feel it was a, a, a film for children? Because this is one thing I like about Ghibli films that I've watched is that obviously animation attracts the younger viewer, but they don't necessarily try and pander to the younger viewer. And I, I didn't think they pandered to him, but that, that storyline, as, as Faye was saying there, I think it does resonate. It just makes it a lot more acceptable than a lot of more westernised stories would be, I guess. Yeah, I would definitely agree. Um I think when I watched it the first time through, I was probably just like, ah, there's a talking cat and it's great. This is, it's lovely. And I think the general impression I got was it's lovely. There's a bakery, she flies, she meets an artist in the woods. Like I think I, mm. and it's not until this view through that I've kind of a lot of the, uh, a lot more of the themes have kind of settled with me. And I've kind of picked out more of the like female empowerment um, things that are happening in the film because I think the first time when you're viewing it as a kid it's very much like oh my god I want a talking cat friend I mean I still want a talking cat friend <laughs> didn't Sabrina the Teenage Witch have a talking cat friend as well she sure did <laughs> <laughs> um, what did you guys make of Kiki's loss of confidence in her witch powers and and how she kind of overcame that side of things I really loved it as um as an artist as well. I really resonated with the conversation she has with the artist about kind of when you have something that you love and that makes your spirit fly, when you start doing that as your job, it can dampen that spirit and it can become harder to find that inspiration. And that being the message just kind of really hit home this time through for me because I'm kind of being an artist full time now. And um, that message for like creative people doing their creative thing as their job really kind of pushed home for me. There's lots of kind of analogies to um, like writer's block, for example, and there's lots of, you know, even like sports people where they're just not on their, on the ball. And I think a lot of people kind of feel that. So it's good to, I think it's good to have that. In the, in yeah, I can definitely attest to the writer's block uh, side of things. I'm a, I'm a writer and it kind of just makes you feel seen when you see something like that in a film. Uh, when you get writer's block or like any kind of like creative block, it's horrible and like mm. you think you're useless and you're like, oh, what am I doing with my time if I'm not doing my work that I'm supposed to be doing? And then kind of seeing Kiki go through that and le like I said before, learning from those older women about how it's not always going to be easy and sometimes the things that are really easy to you can sometimes just completely be turned on the head and be really difficult for you. And I think that is a good, really good message and not one that I've seen a lot in, in other films. 
there's an interesting difference that I noticed between because I flicked through, I was changing my uh, the dub from Japanese to English and kind of flicking through different segments. And a really interesting thing is that in the English dub, in the Disney dub, uh, the artist says to Kiki, "Oh, just stop thinking about it, and it'll it'll all come back naturally." And in the Japanese version, she's kind of like, "Nope, I still really struggle with my art. I just have to work really hard." It seems like a completely different message, which is really interesting between the two versions. I thought. I think both both kind of can work, can't they? With, I mean, I've heard stories. I'm not a writer, prolifically at least, but I know some writers say, "I just need to turn up and write some words." And it might flow out. If it doesn't, then I'll come back the next day. And some say I'd need to wait for that that strike of, of um, inspiration to come and hit me, and then it kind of goes through. So it's kind of it could be either. I don't know. You guys are the more creative side of, of this hip hop recording, I guess. <laughs> no, I think you're right. I think that you could view it in, in either way, and I think both work. Uh, I know for me, I'm very much the the first person that you said where it's like. I'll just sit down and write and hope that something good comes out. <laughs> I think that's absolutely a perfect way to uh, maybe head to the scores. Hello, I'm Sam Pei. And I'm Martin Zotzorstwick. And together we host a show called Song, Song by Song, Song, where we deal with the music of Tom Waits. We've been going since uh, 2015. Every week we talk about a new track. Uh, we've made our way through 15 seasons so far of his music. And now we're going back to the early years. And if you haven't listened to Tom Waits before, it's not the growly stuff. It's not the stuff where he's hitting an automobile with a bone for percussion. <laughs> it's a nice, easy way into his music. If that sounds like something you would be interested in, you should check out our website, songbysongpodcast.com, or put Song by Song into your podcatcher of choice. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome to the FlixWatcher spreadsheet of dreams. All of our scores are out of five and you may have decimal places if you wish. And we will start with the recommendability, please. Rachel. Um, I would give this film a... It's difficult because if somebody's really not into anime, I don't know if it's the first film I'd recommend for them to watch. But for I would definitely, like, I would obviously rec- I recommended it to Faith and that's why we chose it. I'd maybe give it like a 3.5. I would recommend it, but I would have to have the right person to recommend it to. <laughs> so, I mean, you call it anime, both of you call it anime. Uh, Helen, Helen, would you class this as like, anime or? Well, I'd give I'd give the subgenre of Ghibli because it's kind of like its own um, its own genre in that, in um, with the directors, with the style, with the studio, etc. Um, I guess anime for me is more like um ghost in the shell that kind of thing whereas ghibli refers exclusively to that studio and that kind of period whereas anime i tend to associate a bit more with maybe adult animation but that's that's just me so 3.5 you saying rachel i think so yeah yeah <laughs> i'm settling on it <laughs> um i would give it a four i think because i 
like Rachel was saying, she didn't know she would recommend it to someone that wasn't into anime or Ghibli. I, I'm not a person that's into really anime or Ghibli and I really enjoyed it. So I feel that I could then recommend it to someone that maybe it was similar to me and not they think that they're not into that type of film, but then they would watch it and enjoy it. So yeah, I would give it a four. Because I think it's it's easy viewing, it's comforting, it's for kids and for adults. I think, yeah, I think I would recommend it. Helen? I really like it and I think it's really, really beautiful. And I think um, it's a great kind of, you know, story where the leading female characters are not obsessed with being beautiful or finding a man or any anything like that so i think it's a really important kind of female led film um but that said in terms of ghibli films that i'd recommend instantly it's not up there with like um my neighbor totoro yeah it's called that which would be kind of an instant five and um it's kind of a strange one i don't know how much kind of young boys would get out of this i don't know i've never been a young boy but there is kind of a little bit i wouldn't recommend it as universally as i would totoro but i do think um if you've you've never seen it it is um quite a good introduction and it has a talking cat so i can't not give it a good recommendation so yeah a good solid four I'm going to go for a 4.1 here. I think I, I liked it a lot, um, but I think I echo some of the things that Helen's saying. That I've, I've not seen all of Ghibli films, and this is certainly for me, I don't know why, one of the ones I hadn't heard of. Um, and having seen things like Spirit of, Spirit of the Way, which kind of just completely like had me mind blown as to how the story propagated. Um, I've, I'm yet to see Totoro. It's probably one of the biggest failings of my life. Uh, <laughs> or, the, or Howl's Moving Castle. Um, so I know I know I've got a lot of uh, catching up to do, but there's still whenever I speak to people at Ghibli, this doesn't seem to be top of their top of their list, and I can already can see kind of why that is. Um, there's a lot to take away from. There's lot there's lots of great stuff here, but even as a, if I'd have seen this as a, as a young boy, I think I would have still totally enjoyed it. Um, and maybe that's just me being different to to other young boys. I don't know <laughs> what that means, um, but I don't think it necessarily means. I mean, I grew up watching Little Mermaid and Cinderella and stuff like that, as well as, you know, uh, Aladdin and stuff. So I never having a female protagonist was never a reason to not watch a film. And having that kind of what would have been a secret message of here's a female protagonist was surrounded by lots of other female characters. That would have been something that I wouldn't have got onboarded, but I wouldn't have like shied away from it. So I think it's definitely one I would actually show to young boys ahead of ahead of like Snow White uh, and ahead of Little Mermaid, I think. Um, repeat viewing so I'm going to put yeah 4.1 repeat viewing score Rachel uh, for me repeat viewing score is like a solid 4.5 um, I go back to it when I'm feeling ill it's like a duvet day film like get all your baked goods around you and get your duvet on and just kind of just get back into like a lovely like sweet little thing that's just yeah it's like comfort food it's lovely and um, I wouldn't say you're riveted every time you watch it, but it's just like a warm hug. It's lovely. <laughs> so yeah, 4.5. Uh, Faye? I would give it a four again, I think. Uh, echoing a lot of the stuff that Rach just said, I think that it's probably now definitely something that I'm going to watch maybe when I'm not feeling very well or when I want to be like comforted. It's very nice and like kind of feel good to put on 
in that situation and also i just want to see more of gg all the time <laughs> gg in english or gg in japanese with subtitles Ooh, well i th- well i think my next watch is going to be gg in japanese so i will report back <laughs> when i've seen that version <laughs> please do uh, helen so definitely um if anyone is going to repeat view this then please or first time watch it then i really really do recommend that you don't listen to the american one because I just I just felt that it just changed the tone and it I don't know wherever you can try and have the, the original um language one. Um I'm going to go a 3 for repeat viewing. Um I really enjoyed watching it again um but because there's so many other studio Ghibli that I haven't seen I would probably look to go for one that I haven't seen over rewatching this again anytime soon. I think people tip yeah people typically say yeah watch don't watch the dubbed version of anything um but there always seems to be a bit of a leniency with when it comes to animation and particularly people talk about ghibli and it does tend to depend i think it does tend to depend on the voice characters that they cast and i don't think this is their strongest version of the casting for for the non-japanese version um because everyone here said that gg in the english language version irritated them to some extent <laughs> i think that maybe it kind of maybe does lend to its um repeating because i think certainly in the, in the latter ghiblis they did tend to pick character voice actors that would suit them better uh, so maybe this is like a bit too early and phil hartman's more of a character voice actor than uh um and maybe just wasn't the right voice for for gigi i i don't know why it was him i always thought i thought it was, I thought it was richard is it richard kind um who played um that character in inside out oh yeah oh god what's in the elephant yeah the weird, the like, weird yeah, elephant, weird elephant thing, thing that's in, <laughs> yeah. in, her, in her kind of dream realm i thought it was the same guy that did that oh, bing bong that's bing it bong. not bingo bango yeah. that's uh <laughs> that's jason jack song um yeah so i thought it was him so i was quite surprised it was, it was phil hartman but yeah it was it was a bit grating uh unfortunately so yeah definitely next time i watch it it's going to be in the japanese version but it just means i'll have to make sure i'm fully awake um I will watch it again, certainly. But as Helen said, I've, you know, I've watched maybe five Ghibli's. There's all of them now, apart from one, should be on Netflix. So I need to watch those first before coming back to this. So I'm going to give it a 3.1, 3.1. A small screen score, Rachel. I've only ever seen it on the small screen. Um, I don't think it particularly, I, I wouldn't know, but I don't think it's lost anything from being there. Um, I would obviously love to see it on a big screen. Um Ah, it's a hard one because <laughs> I, I literally have no comparison. 4.3. Because it's such a comfort film. <laughs> Faye. I am going to give it a three, I think, because I obviously I haven't seen it on a big screen either, but I would assume, I could only assume that the beautiful animation would look amazing on a cinema screen. And I don't know if we maybe lose some of that on a smaller screen. I was also thinking about if people were watching it on their phones and stuff. Like, it, I maybe they'd miss some of the little, like, intricate intricacies of the animation. Um, so, yeah, I think I would give it a three. Okay, uh, Helen, small screen score. Yeah, so again, I've only ever seen this kind of on a, a tv size screen, and I've seen a couple of, Studio Ghibli's in the in the cinema, um, so I'm going to give it a four. Um, I don't think it loses anything particularly on a on a TV size screen. Um, I don't think you should go any smaller than that. 
I'm going a bit higher, 4.5. Great tool. I think I'd probably go for like a 3.9. Um, it's when I was thinking back about when I'd watched it in the past, I was like, oh, it's a very chill film. Like not a lot happens and more did happen than I remembered. But because I'd forgotten how much happened, I think perhaps maybe it's not as engaging as it could be. Uh, a lot of the in like introductory scenes of the film are quite slow paced and it's only when you get towards the very end and when she has lost that ability to fly that you start to really get engaged with her story. Um, it's not like action packed and engaging. So yeah, I'd say like a, a 3.9. Hey. Yeah, I'm going to go a bit lower and maybe give it a 2.5 just because similar themes to what Rachel's just said. I think that when I was watching it, I didn't feel like I was hooked on it. Like I wanted to know what happened next. It was just very nice and very chill and very calming to watch. Mm. But I didn't feel like, ooh, what's going to happen? Um, so in terms of like keeping me engaged, I kind of think it just plods along. Like it plods along nicely. Like that's not an insult, but I just don't think that it would it really grabbed me and, and made me want to like maybe if I went to the toilet would I pause it I mean probably like the first time I watched it potentially uh, but I think if I watched it again I'd just leave it going while I went to the toilet like made a cup of tea or whatever yeah <laughs> so what was that score again sorry at uh, 2.5 Helen um I'm gonna go uh a 3.7 I think it's it's really strange I really enjoyed it and I would recommend it but it's not it doesn't give you that feeling that you know you have to be super engaged in it yeah and i think that ties in with why i what started watching in in subtitles and then just switched to english because i didn't feel massively drawn to it i did like the start and this kind of ties in with what we discussed during the, the conversation where she's she's 13 and then she's just got to go off and because she's a witch everyone kind of understands that and no one really tries to hold her back apart from her dad saying oh we're supposed to go camping but even that's not really that big of a problem. Um, so it kind of starts off in, in that way, but then it just doesn't really, for me, like, like, like you other said, it wasn't really like, a, oh, and what happens next? Oh, and what happens next? So it was plodding along is good. So I think engagement 3.5 for me, and that gives us an overall score of 3.725. Um, that's, a, that's a fairly decent score. Um, first Ghibli film, that we're recording at least we don't know if anyone else comes out um uh, before before this one comes out but yeah uh, thank you very much for bringing it to us guys there's one thing that we didn't talk about and my cat was sitting on the cat was sitting on my notes and um she's just got off them um, <laughs> post credit credit scene did you stay for that what the, the flying well the whole like after story kind of thing which doing it in 1989 kind of like pips marvel yeah 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 and finishes off with the lovely little letter that she's written to her parents. Oh, I'll have to go back and watch it. Which, by the way, I love her mum. Her mum is great. <laughs> yes, her mum is great, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's quite good, actually, because one of, one of my main thing, problems with it was that it doesn't seem to have... I guess it follows, it follows her for time, but I didn't feel it had like a, that satisfying a conclusion to, the, to her kind of arc. It's in the end credits. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll go back and watch that. Um, all right, that's one. Rachel, Faye, tell us all about your podcast and where people could find you online. So we are Her Dark Materials, a His Dark Materials recap podcast where we go through chapter by chapter. You can find us at HDMPod on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And you can find us as Her Dark Materials on pretty much any podcasting platform. And Faye's happy with that. She's not the guy. <laughs> I'm really, yes, I'm, I'm happy with that. Rach did a great job. Yes, that is our podcast. And uh, yeah, come along and join us if 
if you're a fan of his dark materials or if you're not give it a try and see what you think we're go we're, we're spoiler free so we won't spoil you fantastic well thank you very much guys thank you <laughs> cheers bye thanks bye, bye. enjoyed this episode of flix washer podcast why not leave us a five-star review on itunes you can also follow us at flix on twitter and we're at flix on instagram thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty mighty tunes and ben from rockwood audio for his awesome editing skills if you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this get in touch with ben and that's rockwood r-o-k-k wood audio tell them flicks what you sent you you just heard a stripped media production <laughs> <laughs>